such a beautiful day today. Amen. Our God is great and he's greatly to be praised. Amen. What a wonderful God we serve. Praise the Lord. What a mighty beautiful day it is. Yesterday was a great day. And somebody wrote a song as every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, I love him more and more. Jesus saves and he keeps me. He's the one I'm longing for. Every day with Jesus is always sweeter than the day before. Praise God. Amen. There's nothing impossible with God. Amen. We have so many great promises in God's word. And if we don't cling to his word, it's not his fault, amen, if things does not go right for us in our lives, amen. He knows the things that we have need of. The Bible says in John 15, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear forth fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bring forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandment, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love have no man than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I called you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you should ask of the Father in my name he may give you. These things have I commanded you that you love one another. Amen. So we want to abide in the vine. Praise God. We want to stay in Christ's love and in the things that he has commanded us to do, and everything will work out just fine. Amen. Praise God. There's an old song we used to sing says, I found a new way of living. I found a new life divine. I have the fruit of the Spirit 
I am abiding, abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine, love, joy, health, peace, he have made them mine, I have prosperity, power and victory, abiding, abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine, love, joy, peace, health, he has made them mine, I have prosperity, power and victory, abiding, abiding in the vine. Oh, I found a new way of living. I found a new joy divine. I have the fruit of the Spirit. I am abiding, abiding in the vine. Oh, abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine. Love, joy, peace, strength, he has made them mine. I have prosperity, power, and victory, abiding, abiding in the vine. Oh, abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine, love, joy, peace, strength, he has made the mine. I have prosperity, power, and victory, abiding, abiding in the vine. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you're abiding in the vine this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your power. Thank you for your love, your joy, God, your long-suffering, your gentleness, your faith, your meekness, your temperance, oh God, that flows from you through the word this morning, oh God. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. We want to get right into our lesson now. We want to keep in mind we are talking about the epistles of John, and we're going to the second epistle uh, this month. Amen. We're going to look at the second epistle. We've been spending a lot of time in the first epistle from the first of the year, and it's important that we not forget John does not leave the purpose for writing uh, these epistles to the church. Amen. And we know that he's already told us that the reasons that he's written this epistle is to add to our joy. He wants our joy to be overflowing. Amen. He wants our joy to be full because that's what Jesus had told us there. And we read a few minutes ago in John 15, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you that your joy might remain in you and that your joy shall be full. He wants your joy to be overflowing. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be elated. Amen. And when we get the word of God down in us and get a clear understanding of what God's word is designed to do for us, we're going to be strong Christians. We're going to be excited about serving God and living for God. And as Paul says, nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God. Because if anything can separate you from God, it's going to steal your joy. It's going to steal your peace. It's going to steal your love. It's going to steal your faith. 
Amen. And that's what the thief came to do, Jesus says, was to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Satan has one goal, and that is to destroy you, to kill you, to take you out. Amen. And a lot of people don't realize that. But Jesus has come that you might have life with that more abundantly. So John wants your joy to be full, and he warns us. Amen. So he's trying to help us to guard us against sin. Because Satan, who is the, the starter of sin, is going to make a way to try to get sin into your life. He's going to do everything he can to cause you to sin, to do wrong, to never do right. Because he knows that God is a God of righteousness. He's going to do everything in his power to make that happen. And so John is trying to guard us against these things and to give us a network so that we can be able to see sin for what it really is and how sin destroys lives and destroy people. Amen. All the time, if you stop and look how many people's lives are being destroyed because of sin. The alcoholic, amen, he doesn't realize when he first takes his first drink how that is going to destroy him in the long run if he doesn't quit. The guy, you know, they can say that marijuana is good for for medicinal reasons and everything, but they never show you the end results of how bad people's lives are and how people's lives are turned upside down. The same way with selling cigarettes and smoking. They never show you on the television or the media the person's lungs and the inward of their lives, what is really going on inside. They never show you the end results of people that's on these drugs and, and alcohol that is has to work constantly to try, spend all their money to to try to keep that habit going. Amen. They never show you, but that's what the enemy of your soul wants. And so John is wanting to warn us against these things. And that's what the Word of God is designed to do, is to give us that warning. And then John says he wants to guard us against false teachers. We already know through the Scripture that is the closer of the coming of Jesus, there's going to be great falling away. The people are going to start leaving the church. People are going to start giving in to wrong motives and wrong people, and they're not going to know truth from error. And John is trying to warn us about this. And then the fourth reason John says that he's writing is this, to and strengthen our faith. He wants us to have strong faith and confidence and, and God's abilities and to not lose our hope and our trust in God and to know that by doing that, we will have eternal life forever and will reign with God forever and ever. So John begins this second epistle here, uh, writing here, he says, to the elder unto the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake which dwell in us and shall be with us forever, grace be with you, uh, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of, of the Father, in truth and in love. Now notice here, some scholars think that he might be writing to a lady, but when you begin to look at the Scripture... Amen. Paul writing to the church at Galatia, 
and back in chapter number uh 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 Four, verse 19 through 26, Paul began to talk about the new Jerusalem. He says the Jerusalem from above is free and she's the mother of us all. Amen. So the church, so they are not just writing to one individual here. Amen. Like Paul may be writing to Timothy or Titus, his protégés, to to increase their learning and knowledge and their wisdom and to guide them. But John is writing to the church uh, to encourage the church here. Amen. And this is why he would write in the book of Revelation, he says in chapter 21, verse 2, he says, And I saw John, saw the holy city, that new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Amen. So the church, and he says, I'm writing to the church and her children, or the elect lady and her children. See, when you are born again, and you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you become a part of his church. You become his children. This is why you see scriptures constantly admonishing little children. But we're not to stay as little children. We are to go on to perfection, completion, unto maturity in the Lord here. So John is trying to inform us here that the value of this church uh, and that the thought here is to continue in the truth. He says here, whom I love in the truth. Amen. You see, there's nothing like walking in the truth. You've got to love the truth. Jesus asked Peter three times, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Because we know through Scripture and study that Jesus, according to John 14, 6, is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. So we, if we say we love Jesus, then we're saying, I love truth. And if I say I love truth, then I understand that John 17, 17 tells me to sanctify them through thy truth, because thy word is truth. Amen. So God's word is truth. So we have to get a habit to where we love the word of God, because John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the psalmist would say in Psalms 138, verse 2, that He's exalted His Word above His name. Amen. Before the name of Jesus was ever given, the Word was already there, because God is the Word. So if we love truth, then what do we do? We live it. We abide in it. We stay in it. We hold fast to it. Uh, we don't let go of truth. Truth will always be truth. Uh, if you can't change truth. It's, it's going to always be truth. If it was truth then, it's truth now. If it's truth yesterday, it's going to be truth tomorrow. We've got to learn to hold to the truth and love truth and abide in the truth. Praise God. Amen. So this second epistle here, he begins, and he, we have to keep in mind now from the first set of the epistle, the first epistle, there was two key words that John gave to us, and that was love and knowledge. 
when you follow the, the parameters are, are walking through first epistle of John, you see the key words is always love and knowledge. If I have a love for God, then I'm going to want to have knowledge of God. That's why I, I find it hard that people tell people, I love you, and they have no knowledge of them. You know why divorces is so so easy nowadays? Because people don't know who they're marrying. They have no absolute clue. Oh, she looks good. He looks good. Oh, I like him. Oh, yeah. They run to the courthouse and lope or go and get married. have no clue what the individual like. What's inside of his heart, where he came from, none of that stuff. They have no clue whatsoever. No character about the individual. If the individual have any kind of character, if they're liars, if they're cheaters, if they're spenders, they have no idea. And then they wonder after two months of being married, why they're killing each other and fighting over everything, and why they don't stay together. They don't know people. Relationships more than sex. But people don't understand that. But the Word of God tells you so that you know how to live and how to act and how to conduct yourself and how to choose. This is why Solomon is constantly in the book of Proverbs with the book of wisdom. Amen. Solomon tells us in Proverbs 1-7, he says, The beginning of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Amen. When you respect God, when you understand who God is, it gives you knowledge. It gives you understanding of how to live, how to conduct yourself. And you fall in love with this truth. Amen. And once you fall in love with this truth, you walk this truth. You live this truth. You stand fast on the truth because there's nothing going to take you away from the truth. Amen. So John is telling us in the first epistle, the key words is love. Thou shall love the Lord thy God. He's telling us in in the fourth chapter in the first epistle, that God is love. And, beloved, if God loved us, then we ought to love one another. Love is the driving train, amen, about this whole life thing. If I don't love God, I'm never going to love you. Amen. I can go to church all day long and talk about how much I love people. Amen. But if I don't love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, I'm going to pick and choose who I think I want to love, and as a result of that, it's going to cause me to be a respecter of persons, and I'm going to not walk in truth. So I have to have love and knowledge. Peter tells us in Second Peter 1, 5, he says, add to your faith knowledge. The first thing he calls, when you get a knowledge of Jesus Christ, you've got to get some knowledge. You gotta know what you're doing, what you're doing. Remember on Wednesday nights, we talked about Proverbs 2.10. Solomon says, when wisdom enter your heart and, and knowledge is pleasant, he said, the discretion will keep me and understanding will preserve you. Most people don't have any kind of discretion. They can't make a right choice if they want it to. They have no knowledge of God. They have no knowledge. They think because they got degrees on their walls of PhDs and DDs and ADs and AAs and everything, they're smart. It amazes me how many people that have all these degrees and can't even raise their own kids. 
Don't even know how to wash clothes. Don't even know how to cook a meal. Don't even know how to change oil in a car. Don't even know how to change a tire. Don't even know how to determine what's going on. Don't even know how to make a bed. Don't even know how to iron. You know, think about it. Because they have no knowledge. They have no wisdom. They have no understanding. Because they have not given over themselves to the truth of God's word. The Spirit will lead you and guide you to all truth. Amen. So John says we got to have love and we got to have knowledge. Now, in this second epistle, the key words is, again, love and truth. Love and truth. Why does he stand with love? Because you can't get away from God. And expect to have truth. Because Jesus is the only truth. And the word is the truth. See? So if I'm going to have truth, I've got to have love. I've got to have God in my life. And other, be able to understand this. Amen. And, and see, we got to understand the importance of these epistles that John is writing unto us. Because if we don't stay in the truth, we are easily going to be compromised by false doctrine and false teachings and be led astray by every wind of doctrine. That's why Paul writing to the church at Ephesus in the 4th chapter and the 11th through the 15th verse, he says, God has given some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come into the unity of the faith, unto the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the fullness of the statutes of Christ, that we be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but that we must grow up in Him which is the head, which is Christ. Amen. So we have to understand that if we do not have the love of God in us, it's going to be easy for somebody to lead me down the wrong road and away from Christ farther away. That's why Paul writing to the church at Corinth and the second Second uh, uh, Corinthians eleven fourteen, he says Satan has transformed himself into an angel of light. He said there's no great mystery if his ministers appears as ministers of righteousness. See, in this last days, my brothers and sisters, they're going to be a great falling away. That's what's going to happen. Paul told us in Second Thessalonians uh, chapter three, I mean chapter two, verse three. He said there's going to be a great falling away because what's going to happen is people is going to start compromising the truth, and because they're going to start compromising the truth and not know the truth and do not have a love for the truth, what's going to transpire is pretty soon once you find out that you're being taught wrong, once you find out you're being led wrong, the next thing you're going to happen is you're going to start believing that nothing is right and nothing is true, and then you just quit. See, one of the fallacies of people not coming to church in a pandemic like this is you start searching and getting all kinds of voices. And as a result, 
pretty soon you're not going to know what to believe. And as a result, people pretty soon, they began to become unkempt. They began to get unholy because they don't have to realize I need to live that way. I don't need it. I'm not going any place. And pretty soon, depression set in. Pretty soon, you just quit. You just give up. You just throw in the towel. But see... In the last days, there's going to be a great falling away. The churches is already starting to compromise truth for tolerance and acceptance. They're starting to compromise truth for tolerance and acceptance. See, people don't realize that the church has been in a war ever since 2000, when years ago when Jesus established it. You know, that's why he told them, I will build my church, the gates in hell shall not prevail. But he didn't say it won't be an attack. See, this this is war. You know, and as a result, that's why a lot of people keep falling away and don't understand what's keep hitting them because they're not having a love for the truth. You ain't going to survive without a love for the truth and the gut love of God's word. See, and this is why the warnings is the letters they're writing, they're love letters, but they're also deep in pack with warning signs that look, you know, you, you got to stay in the truth. You got to love the truth is, is what they're trying to get you to see if you're going to make it. See, you got to keep the inward man strengthened and strong every day. You've got to add to it because if you add to your flesh, that's what's going to be. That's why Romans 8, Paul said, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the Lord, the Spirit of light in Christ, has made us free from the law of sin and death, for what the law of the flesh could not do. And it was weak through the law. God sent in his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned sin in the flesh, that we should be the righteousness of God. He says, but to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. See? So we, we've got to understand. He said, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh is lusting against the Spirit, and the Spirit is against the flesh, and they're contrary to one to the other, so that you cannot do the thing that you would. There's war going on inside of you. From the time you wake up, the enemy is watching your moves. So they're giving us these warnings not to compromise on the truth. You've got to hold to the truth of God's Word. Paul told Timothy in the second, uh, third chapter, he said, This know also that in the last days, what? Perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truce breakers, incontinence, fires, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the powers thereof, and such 
turn away for this sort of they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin, ever learning and never able to come unto the knowledge of the truth. See, now notice without natural affection. Without natural affection, you know, we, we, we've got to realize that we've got to cling to the truth. We're in these last days. This pandemic we're in is part of the last days. When you read Luke 21, you see that this is part of the last days. If you ever realize when Jesus came out of the wilderness, uh, and I'll probably talk about this later on, but you find that he lists all kinds of things that are going to transpire before his coming. And Luke 21 lays it out plainly, and part of it is that pandemic and aromas of war and everything. But you remember when he came out of the wilderness after being tempted, and he gave him the book of Isaiah to read, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearts, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to preach the acceptable years of the Lord. He stopped short of the latter part of Isaiah 61-2, which is the vengeance of the day of our God. See, when Jesus came the first time, his reason for coming was to seek and to save that which was lost. But when he comes again, it's going to be the days of vengeance. Amen. And in other words, he's coming with vindication. He's coming with punishment and retribution upon the earth. Amen. And we're right on the doorstep right now because he lists all these other things, wars and rumors of wars and pandemics and pestilence and earthquakes uh, and diverse places. And then he talks about the vengeance. He says, when you want to really know when I'm coming, he says, when you see the armies start to surround themselves around Jerusalem, he says, then you better look up. Because your redemption is joy not. And if you've been following anything in the Middle East, uh, you will see that that's been the talk of the town lately. Amen. Everybody is talking about trying to do away with Israel. Amen. And uh, Iran and all of them is trying to start armies to getting around that because that is going to be when the vengeance of the days of our God. And so we better look up. Amen. But we, too, better start clinging the truth. We better start holding the truth. We need to get ourselves rooted and grounded in the Word of God because Jesus says heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will not pass away. God isn't going anyplace. Amen. And we need to cling to truth because Jesus is the truth. So we don't want to compromise on anything that God has given us. Amen. His truth. Verse 4, John says, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. See, we've been commanded. That's why Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The commandments of the Lord are what? Pure. They enlighten the eye. See? God's commandments are designed to keep us to be able to see 
where we're going and what we're doing so we don't stumble and fall. That's why the law of the Lord is perfect. It converts the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. They rejoice the heart. And the commandments are pure, and they enlighten the eye. Amen. So if we're going to have this truth, we've got to get some spiritual knowledge going on in this thing. Amen. So that we know. We have to know. We have to know to love. This know also, Paul says. This know also. They constantly encourages us. Paul writing to the church at Corinth in the 6th chapter says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor idolaters, nor effeminates, nor abusers themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you've been washed, but you've been justified, but you've been sanctified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. See, when we come into a relationship with Jesus, we're supposed to love Him. We're supposed to cling to this truth. We're never to let it go. Because it brings us more knowledge. Jesus says in John sixteen thirteen, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, what is he going to do? He's going to guide you to more truth. When the Holy Ghost comes, the Holy Ghost is going to lead you to more truth. Because the Holy Ghost is God in you, the hope of glory. The Holy Ghost is there to help you and to guide you and to show you the right way, how to live and how to conduct yourself and how to act so that you don't have to worry about all the foolishness that's going to come. Let's drop back just a little bit here real quick to the second chapter in First John chapter 2. Let's go back to uh, John chapter, First uh, John chapter two, verse twenty-one. Notice what John says here in this in this passage. He says, "I have not written unto you because you don't know the truth." He says, "Because, but because you know it, and that there's no lie in the truth." See, truth. You can't say I'm in truth and be in a lie at the same time. You can't tell me that you're walking in truth and you keep lying to me. Come on. And if somebody tell you they're walking in the truth and they lie to you, they ain't walking in the truth. There is in Christ no deceit, no guile. He's righteous. And the righteousness is the white linen of the saints of God. See, we, we gotta have the knowledge. If I love God, the Spirit's gonna lead me and guide me to the truth. And notice what John says, I'm not writing to you because you don't know the truth. You know it. 
You know Jesus. If you, if you come into any kind of relationship, if you say, I repented of my sins, if you said, I've been baptized in Jesus' name, if you say, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost, then you know the truth. You know the truth. So it's up now to you to make a decision if I'm going to walk in the truth, if I'm going to compromise the truth and not do what the truth is asking me to do. James put it this way, Therefore to him that know to do good and do it not, to him is sin. As Moses told the children of Israel, be sure your sin will find you out. It will reveal itself. As my pastor told me once, only a fool dies in sin once he knows it. And that no lie is of the truth. So I'm not writing, John says, because you don't know it. You know the truth. My, my, my. What are you doing with the truth? Verse 22. Who is the liar? But he that denied that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Antichrist that denied the Father and the Son. See, anti means against Christ. When you deny Jesus as being God, amen. You're part of the Antichrist. Because you're against the truth. You're against. So he's trying to help us to see here. He said, who's a liar? I deny that Jesus is the Christ. Remember what the woman at the well said to Jesus in John 4? We know the Messiah when he comes, which is called Christ. When he comes, he'll teach us all things. Jesus said, well, I'm speaking to you. She left her water pots and she ran back into that city and says, Come see a man that told me everything I've ever done. Is not this to Christ? Jesus spent a few days with him. And then when he was leaving, the people turned to the woman and says, Ah, we didn't believe you. But because now we've heard him for ourselves, we indeed know that this is the Christ, the Son of the living God. John goes on in verse 23. Whosoever denied the Son, the same have not the Father. But he that acknowledged the Son have the Father also. You can't separate it. Jesus says in John 10:30, I and my Father are one. The three that agree and bear witness in heaven, right? The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Amen. You've seen me, Philip. You've seen the Father. Amen. Verse 24, let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Notice, what did you hear from the beginning? In the beginning was the Word. (laughs) Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
See, that's why you know the truth. You've heard it already. See, that, that's, that's where I, I think people are erring. Because once you share the gospel of the truth with people, they can reject it all they want. That's why Jesus said in John 12, 48, He that rejected me and received not my word have one that's going to judge him in the last day. The same word that I've spoken to him. See? And when you share God's truth with somebody and they reject you and life at you, they're going to see it again. They're going to have to answer for it. Because they've already heard the truth. So we have to be aware of these things. Amen. Let that therefore abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Verse 25. And this is the promise that he has promised us. What? Eternal life. That's his purpose for coming. That's why he says, if you abide in me and I in you, you can ask what you will. And it will be done unto you. See, the promise is eternal life. And that's what we're seeking, and that's what we want. That's what John said, the fourth reason, to strengthen your faith so that you know that you have eternal life. And that life is in Christ. And we're going to keep walking in this truth and living this truth and holding to this truth. These things have I written unto you concerning them that's going to try to reduce, seduce you and lead you astray, he says here. I'm warning you because I don't want you to be led astray, John is saying. Here, verse 27, but the anointing which you have received of him abide in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, uh, and is no lie, and even as they have taught you, you shall abide in him. Now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, you may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Amen. You don't want to be afraid to think, oh, I'm not ready to die. Oh, I'm not ready to meet Jesus. Oh, I don't know if I'm ready to go or not. Amen. When you are serving God every day, you're supposed to be ready to go, man. I'm getting ready to leave this place. I'm getting ready for the hardest race, keeping my record right, working both day and night. Amen. We got to be excited about where we're going. Amen. Heaven shouldn't be a fearful thing. You should be excited about going to heaven, getting up and getting out of here, because you've been living true. Oh, I want to see him, the songwriter said. Look upon his face, dare to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. So John says, if that anointing, that Holy Ghost in you, come on. Like Paul told Timothy, just stir it up. When you don't feel good, just lift your hands and start singing a worship song and praising God. It'll pick itself up. Amen. It'll lift you up. When things ain't going right, just tell Jesus and go on and worship Him. And don't worry about it. Amen. As the song said, I don't worry when things go wrong because Jesus filled my heart with a song. It's amazing what praising can do. 
Amen. That's why he says, and and I, I meant Psalms fifty twenty three. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that order his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. Come on, let the Holy Ghost do what His purpose in your life is. You're walking in the truth. If that truth abide in you, John says, then you don't have to weary. Because you're going to be filled with love and truth. You're going to be filled with Christ is in you. Amen. And you'll live. And now, little children, abide in him. When he shall appear, you may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he's righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. What a promise. What a promise. Grace be unto you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, and truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, and we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech you, lady church, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto you, thee, but that which you had from the beginning, that you love one another. Amen. Wow. I'm excited about these epistles, man. I'm telling you. They are so enlightening, so encouraging, so edifying, amen, to know that we're walking in truth, that we're living in truth. And this is what God desires, amen, to keep us joyful and excited, amen, so that we have the uh, uh, esteem and encouragement and motivation to keep going and make it all the way to that final destination so that when we cross that finish line, we'll be able to hear him say, well done. Thy good and faithful servant, enter the joy of the Lord, which has been prepared for you from the foundation of the earth. Amen. Well, we want to take a small break, and then we're going to come back and do our evangelistic portion. God bless you.